The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It is nine minutes after eight here on AM Live. Thank you so much for staying with us this morning. Now, renowned Nigerian preacher and televangelist has come under intense scrutiny after a fatal building collapse in Lagos last Friday. And as we heard earlier from our South African High Commissioner to Nigeria, um, unfortunately, the death toll has risen in that disaster from 67 to 84. And estimate, an estimate, um, uh, rather, you know, I think what makes this difficult, as someone was pointing out to me on uh, Twitter earlier, is that one of the things that I try to avoid discussing is religion, because inevitably, you know, it becomes very, very emotional. It becomes very heated and very often people just lose all sensibility and uh, thousands of people from across the world. We know uh, congregate at churches every day, you know, going there. Uh, hoping for salvation, hoping for miracle cures to whatever ailments they may be suffering from. And this uh, collapse of the church, the uh, synagogue church of nations, is a case in point where people actually flock to churches in hope of salvation from some or other thing. Uh, But skeptics argue that churches simply exploit people's vulnerability and looking at what some preachers are actually worth today uh, it really does raise a serious question and we always love for you to interact with us during this space uh, so 0891 is the number to dial this morning on the forum at 8 we are looking at preachers and purses and that's our hashtag if you're hashtagging us uh, if you're tweeting us this morning please use that hashtag preachers and purses. And uh, we join in studio by Bishop uh, Musa Sono, who is the founder and senior pastor of Grace Bible Church in Soweto. Thank you so much for coming through. Uh, thank you uh, so much, Sakina. And uh, I just want to say hi to all the listeners there this morning. I was very skeptical whether we would get anybody to come and talk to us on this particular topic. We also have with us uh, Solomon Izang Ashoms, who is founder and editor of Parable Magazine. Thanks for your time as well. Thanks a lot, and uh, I just want to say condolences to the families. That, uh, condolences to the families that lost their loved ones. I'm originally Nigerian, you know. I grew up in Nigeria before I came here quite some time, so I know how it feels, you know, being a South African, married to a South African, and originally from Nigeria. Uh, it's just uh, sad that the situation happened uh, in Lagos. And, you know, it brings us to the question at hand. We're talking about preachers and purses. Mm-hmm. Bishop Sono. Let me start by asking you, what does the Bible say okay. about prosperity? What does it say, especially about leaders in the church and money and the love of money? Yes. I think maybe uh, just before I comment on that, I think we also want to express our condolences. And, and I think our view as a church is that uh, to a large extent, uh, maybe our we should do our level best to try and assist our brothers in, in, in Nigeria and that the families here in South Africa who've lost loved ones. And, and of course, like you say, inevitably we'll have to talk about this subject because it always comes under scrutiny. You know, it's a very broad topic that uh, even theologians may not fully agree on it. However, I think broad strokes about it is that, first of all, the Bible does talk about uh, prosperity, But in my understanding of that prosperity, it's not limited to finance. Prosperity, to a large extent, has to do with well-being, has to do with uh, uh, 
success or uh, living a life that is uh, fulfilling. And and first of all, God starts with our spiritual lives. I mean, we need to have a connection with God. You know, Jesus talked about it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Mm. So that's the first thing. I mean, there has to be a relationship you have with God. Secondly, prosperity has to do with your physical well-being. We need to walk in health. Now, medical care is important. Going to doctors, very important. I think if you have a strong body, a healthy body, there's a lot more that you can do. It has to do with our emotional welfare. We have to have uh, emotional intelligence as some, you know, statements are made. We need to be all of that. Plus then it has to do with wealth. Uh, and wealth in this instance, I'm talking about being able to break even. At least I think poverty, I would never think it's something that God wants people to have. Mm-hmm. If you read the Bible, God has always tried his best to supply what people needed. Jesus was very practical about the needs of people. When they needed food, he gave them food. But you can't give people what you don't have. You know. So I think the broad stroke is that God is interested in people's prosperity. Mm. I guess it is in just in how we interpret that and how we live that out as people. And That's that, where the challenge comes. Exactly. Because I think nobody will begrudge um, you know, a preacher a comfortable life. But what we are seeing is the proliferation of super wealthy right. preachers. That is what we are seeing. T.B. Joshua the one in question right now, given this building that has collapsed, he is estimated to be the third richest pastor in Nigeria with an estimated net worth of between 110 and 165 million. The richest pastor in Nigeria, by the way, uh, is Bishop David Oyedipo, Oyedipo yeah. and he's worth 1.6 billion rand and he he flies on a private jet yeah he has four private jets yes four <laughs> what does a preacher do with four private jets does he fly members of his congregation to where do they fly to because i mean don't they go to church but you know okay let me pull myself towards myself <laughs> just to add up to what uh bishop musasono just said you know Money is very important. Prosperity is just part of our DNA as Christians. Uh, Jesus mentioned money 800 times in the Bible, you know, across the Bible. It was a subject that he spoke about much more than any other subject. So the church knows it's important. The community knows it's important. But there is the gospel of prosperity uh, that we've embraced so much lately as a church against the social gospel. The social gospel that is more about people. And the gospel of prosperity has turned the church into a selfish church. It's about self. I go to church because I want to get money. I go to church because I want it. And the biggest scandal in the church today, a lot of it is just about money. It's about money. It's about sow a seed. You know, everywhere you go to. I've been to, I've been to a lot of churches and I've been doing a lot of investigation as a Christian and also as a journalist uh, around that where you go to churches, they, they take offering like five times you know someone gives a testimony come and plant a seed right here we've turned money into the seed but jesus when he said a seed it wasn't just money it was your talent it was your gifts it was your time but again 
We've experienced, sadly, in Africa where pastors have turned their congregants into ATM machines. The church is like the Johannesburg stock has changed right now. You go there, if you remember Matthew 21 at 12 in the Bible, when Jesus walked into the temple and he was so angry and he, dis, he, he got a whip and he was whipping everybody and said, get out of here. You've turned my, my home, my temple, that's supposed to be a house of prayer, into a den of robbers. A house of prayer for him is a place where people would come and connect. But here you've turned it into a place where you come and negotiate and take people's uh, 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 focus off me. And sadly, that is the state of the church. I love the church. I'm a Christian. I believe the hope for our society is the church. But we need to critique the church. We really need to relook at a lot of things. Jesus was a very balanced person. The gospel of prosperity was on one side. And then there is the social gospel on the other side, which is much more about people. It's not about self. But we've seen, because of money, we've made a lot of wrong decisions. We've misquoted scriptures. Because of money, we've made uh, wrong decisions where, we, we, where we're actually beginning to sell miracles. Where we, we, we sell holy water. If you go to T.B. Joshua, you spoke in, you're talking about T.B. Joshua, you go to his church, you get a bottle of holy water for $50. And you get a book and a DVD to go with it. I was actually going to bring one of it here. A friend, you know, told me I he was going to get one. I had some delivered yesterday. Good. You know, and, and also you have the anointing oil. We put a lot of emphasis. We can say, well, Jesus used a mud on the blind guy's face and all that, but he never bottled. He never made it a product. God can do extraordinary things. But we have really allowed, uh, I would say, in Africa, we see a lot of pastors who are actually not supposed to be pastors. That's what yeah. I can say. You Bishop? Know, Sakina, let me first of all say, I think the responsible thing for me to do as a leader is really not to come on this forum and, and criticize other churches. I just want to say that up front. I have my observations and my views. Uh, however, I don't think personally I'd like to say this church does that. I don't think this would be the platform for it. However, mm -hmm. this much I want to say, the use of money uh, in churches is something that is not new. All churches, denominational churches and so on. And I think we need to be careful and say churches are doing this. Certainly there's churches who may not be accused of any of these things that we're talking about. And the reason for that are the following. Let me talk about South Africa. I'm not familiar with Nigeria. I'll talk about South Africa. In South Africa, if you need to run a church, there are processes that you need to follow in terms of registering with government. You need to, uh, the government requires of you to submit financial statements at the end of the year wherein you show clearly how the money was used uh, so that you can retain your tax exemption status. Now, in our case, we've even gone further. We, we, we audit our books, you know. We've set up financial systems in the church wherein when the money comes in, it is accounted for, it is signed for, and all those processes that show for transparency and all of that. And I think we've got churches like your Anglican churches, Catholic churches, Methodist churches that have got systems. Right. And th there hasn't been much said about those churches. Mainly oh, but because, there has. Well, there's People been have been asking, for example, how rich is the Catholic church? No, no. Yeah, yes, yes, I, I like hear you. That. I hear you. But what I'm saying is this. There, there are churches that have set up certain controls of transparency. I think what people are asking for, Sakina, is to say, is there transparency? Is there a, a, a particular set of principles within which we can determine what preachers should earn? And how they get that money. Mm -hmm. For instance, I mean, uh, 
you, we should have things like a financial board, for instance, mm. that accounts for the money, decides what the preacher earns, you know, decides what the staff earns. You know, in our case, we, what we did is we went out to check organizations like ours, non-profit making organizations to say, if you work in these organizations as a, as a personal assistant, as what, this is more or less what you would earn. So that even when we decide the salaries, it is within that. I mean, salaries of people who work for government and those who work for the corporate sector, even if it's the same position, will never be the same. And mm-hmm. we, we felt if we have a certain uh, uh, boundaries within which we work and we communicate those boundaries, yeah. then I think there's accountability. But you've got to realize, to run a church, it takes money. That's right. Let me give an example. We, we, we are now, as a church, trying to expand what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, allow me to say this. As a black South African, there's a lot of land that's owned by white people. And when we go and try and buy in buildings... They don't ever say I'm a disadvantaged person. They don't ever say I come from Soweto. They charge me what is current. And that's in the millions, Sakina. So I think, I think for me it's about balance. It's about the church needs to be financed. The programs of the church needs to be properly financed. There has to be accountability and processes that Absolutely. are set in that way. Then I, I, I think but, that accountability is what is needed. But mm. what needs to be financed? Why does a church leader, a pastor, a bishop, whatever he is called, why does he need a bodyguard? Why does he need to be driven around in mm. a multi-million rand car? Yeah. What, what, what necessitates that, Bishop? Well, I think it's unfortunate because I think sometimes what sometimes happens is that we kind of copy what is done in the corporate sector, <laughs> you know, we, exactly. the Hollywood style, which is unnecessary. But, but I think you have to take each case as it comes. Because there, there are certain pastors in some places where, in, in essence, their lives were sort of in danger. If you look at someone like Martin Luther King, for instance, you know, Martin Luther, his life was really in danger. Mm-hmm. If you go through the stories, he needed to have bodyguards and so on. The question is, why are the people doing what they're doing? We have to ask those questions than generalizing. Because yes. you, can never, you, can never have the, you can never put everybody on the same platform. What, 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 what we've seen so, lately is become a trend. Yes. It's become a trend mm-hmm. to uh, drive in a limousine. It's become a trend in Nigeria where as a bishop, as a pastor, your goal is to own a private jet. It's become a trend where you go into a church. They call them ammo bearers. That's what they call the bodyguards. Where you go in, there was, there, there, you know, there are people all around you. I agree with what the bishop said about church needs money. If you look at the Christian history, the church history, if you look at uh, charities were started by churches, mm-hmm. the health movement were started by mm-hmm. churches, education, a lot Hospitals of the great schools that, that we have yeah. today were started by churches. So we need money. But where do we take that money to? Yes, that is the main we problem. The focus? We've lost the focus. Yeah. Because the money is not going towards those charities in the main. It's yes. all going to personal pockets. And this is why, for me, I encourage churches. I, I think it's proper for churches to set up proper structures of accountability. Yeah. It's unfortunate, uh, Sakina, that particularly with uh, uh, the things that we see, you know, around is that there's really even, I mean, a church like ours, the so-called charismatic church, you know, it, it, we, we're developing. But when we started, uh, we didn't have even bodies that we accounted to that could speak to ours, to our life. Mm. In the process, you realize those things are necessary. You have to have people that you can account to, people who can ask you questions, people who can do that. I think what people need is transparency. I don't think people are really against. I don't think even people are really against a pastor being taken care of. 
Yeah, I, think I know. The church, I don't think, the anyone, and I don't think be people should that. be against that. Because I don't think people will I've be against people, that. I've asked people, what kind of car do you think a pastor should drive? drive? And I want to, I'm not saying a limousine. Let's ask our listeners yeah. while yeah. we edit. Yeah. And, and I want them to give me scriptures and verse to say, look, it must be a Toyota, okay, from 1906 or something. Then the, it's don't difficult just to answer that question. A, a, a car, a car that's good, reliable, and functional yes. to get you to wherever your... Um, you know, y- your folk are so that you can serve them. That's what Jesus would do. We have to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? He was talking about transparency. In Nigeria, we have the top five wealthiest pastors because there is no openness. I have to be honest with you. I'm Nigerian. There is no transparency. A lot is going on that is not right. You don't pay certain monies into certain places. You don't do things the way you're not accountable. And there is a lot of corruption going on. I, I'm Nigerian. I'm, it's sad. I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed about it. But I have to talk about it. The church has become a cult. There's a lot of cultish attributes in a lot of churches. Now, don't get me wrong. There are great churches. I know great pastors. Mm. I go to church. I will go to church for the rest of my life. I believe in the church. But in areas where we're doing things wrong, where you have to be accountable, how many churches do we have really opening their books at the end of the day? And we have a lot of other preachers from around Africa coming into South Africa where the system is different, but mm. they want to manipulate the system. We, we have a lot of Nigerian pastors, Ghanaian pastors, and we love them. They're anointed. They can pray well. They're intercessors. But we really need to reevaluate our lives again and say, how do we need to be more transparent? How do we need to open up? How mm. do we need to make sure that? Because that's exactly what Jesus would do. If you have a question, how do we make sure we answer your question? Okay. I tell you what, we have to go to calls 0891-104206. We have to uh, bring our listeners in. But um, I want to come back just a little later on to Bishop Sono, uh, uh, something that you raised, uh, Solomon, about uh, spiritual abuse. How much of what is happening in the church today actually amounts to spiritual abuse? Yeah. But let's speak to Greg in Cape Town. Good morning, Craig. Uh, yes, good morning. Um, I first want to say I am a committed Christian, so I'm not an atheist. So I know what I'm talking about. I do believe God is there, and I do believe in the resurrection, etc. But if you uh, just heard, okay, we should quote scripture and verse. Let me quote scripture and verse for you. Okay, look at Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Okay? So do not store up for yourself treasures. Okay? Let me now quote... Hello? We're listening, Greg. Okay, then I'll quote you Matthew 10. Here Jesus is sending out his disciples. Now I presume the pastors out there are calling themselves disciples, so this applies directly to you. Do not take any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff. Okay? That applies to you. I think if you don't start with the Bible, which you always say you want to start with, you should be quoting these verses and not talk about cars and business and prosperity. That comes later, much later. First, you should talk about what we just quoted. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg in Cape Town. Lebu in Joba, good morning. Uh, hi, uh, Sakina. Um, here's my take. I mean, um, I've got a problem with this religious entrepreneurs. I don't call them pastors or whatever they want to call themselves. It's all about money. Pastorpreneurs, I believe, is what they yeah, call Yeah, religious entrepreneurs, if I can get a chance. I mean, um, a question for the two gentlemen. Are they employed? I mean, you, you can't just earn from people who come to church uh, being, being uh, how do I call it, swindled. 
money by, by some uh, frivolous, smart speaking, uh, well dressed, uh, designer suits, cufflinks, etc., carrying on TV, Hollywood style, um, driving top cars, um, uh, living in gated estates. That's just, just hogwash. That's wrong. I mean, on, uh, in, in the name of religious and prosperity. Mm-hmm. My question, you know, whoever killed Steve Biko did us a lot of damage. That man mentioned it a long time ago. Before a white man came to Africa, an African had a belief system. This, this okay. um, religious, this religious system is not what an African believed in. And as you can see, the two different men are talking about prosperity and living large and, and, and all that, which is not... Okay, got you there, Lebu. Lorraine and Durban, hi. Good morning, Sakina, to you and your guests. I'd just like to say two thanks. Um, two things, sorry. Uh, firstly, to the South African government for rising to the occasion. We are really doing and stepping up the plate in terms of helping those who are in distress. And also, you know, gift of the givers. Being a Muslim organization predominantly, they're setting an example of what humanity is supposed to be without concerning themselves with these are Christians and non-Muslims. And I'd like to have other Christian organizations who have come to the fore to set their example. Thank you very much. Thank you Bye. so much, uh, Lorraine. Tabiso Npulukwane. Sagina, how are you? Well, and you? I'm fine. Sagina, two things. You know, I, I once argued that uh, the lot of mushrooming of churches in South Africa is going to be a problem. Also, I want to, to a particular extent, agree with what Pastor Zondo is doing in terms of making sure that he accounts for whatever happens in churches. But uh, the unfortunate part of it is that it's not happening across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you walk around town in each and every city, you are even going to find churches in buildings which, which we know to be business areas. And then you ask yourself another question. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, why these churches are thriving in Africa? It's because that uh, in, in countries where majority of our people are poor and they are given a hope, like you are dealing with you are dealing with something that you can't regulate, which is faith. When when someone puts a, a church there and say to people, you know, this is where you're going to get prosperity, this is where your faith upliftment and and so on and so forth is going to happen. Then our people get to rush into those particular areas. Okay. I think I've read an article about well, I'm unfortunately going to have to stop you there, but uh, we got the gist of it and we'll get you a response. This morning on the forum, we are looking at preachers and purses. And what is your view on this particular subject? We have with us in studio uh, Bishop Musa Sona, who is from uh, Grace Bible Church in Soweto. And we also have uh, Solomon Ashoms with us, who is founder and editor of Parable Magazine. And um, before I go back to the lines, uh, can we just uh, respond to some of the issues that were raised by our callers? Um, Greg, for example, says he quoted the scriptures. Yes, he's right. He's right. Greg is right. Jesus talked about uh, us having to put treasure in heaven and so on. However, I think just to quote one verse and not look at the totality of how money was handled in terms of what must happen in church or in the temple, even in the Old Testament. I mean, if you look when the temple was built under Moses, under David, there were contributions that were made so that the temple can be built. I think the gist of it is this. To be able to do this work that we are doing in churches is going to take money. If I go to O.R. Tambo, 
and I need to travel to another church somewhere else, I need to buy that ticket and I need to have money to buy that ticket. I think mm-hmm. the issue is about opulence. I think the issue is about excesses. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, you could ever be able to do God's work without uh, it being financed. That money has to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I because like, that, I, you are a, that you are a spiritual person or a, a spiritual leader doesn't mean if I go to pick and pay, they'll just give me food. It doesn't mean, like I was talking about, yeah. we are building churches everywhere. Can I ask a controversial question? Yes. Why does a pastor who has his flock close to him need to be flying all over the world? No, what I'm saying is if you're going, if you're going over to preach in another place, I mean, we have a church in Cape Town ourselves. If I need to visit a church in Cape Town, I can't walk there. Or maybe I want to go, you know, I should go on donkey's mm. back or something like that. But I'm just people saying, are okay. saying, by the yeah, way, yeah, speaking yeah. of donkeys, they're yes. saying you were asking, uh, you're talking about exactly. what sort of car exactly. you should what I'm saying is They that say Jesus rode on a donkey. It's true. But uh, Paul got on a ship. He sailed somewhere and surely he paid for that ship. Mm. I'm just saying it's about context, Sakina. I think sometimes people, uh, as much as I agree, there's a lot of problems that are there. I think people should also be realistic and practical. Let me give an example. Mm. We have a lot of strikes in South Africa. People feel they must have a living wage. They're not asking for millions and millions. Mm. They're saying a living wage. And I'm saying, I know, for instance, uh, 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 Children of preachers who grew up in very poverty-stricken homes because they are, their father was not paid a fair salary or a wage that could sustain them as a family. I think it's about balance and practicality. And mm. I would challenge churches to have a discussion around these things. Yes. To, to form accountability structures so that things are done properly. To because go to the extremes and say, you can't have anything, uh, you must ride a donkey. I think that's fine for people to no, say. No, you must We don't want way. you to be poverty-stricken, exactly. but... No. What business does a pastor have with millions of rands in his bank account? I agree with that. And I want to agree with, with uh, the caller, Craig, from uh, Cape Town earlier on. The Bible says in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. Mm. But, you know, you cannot serve God and Mormon. You cannot serve God and money. But yeah. we've seen a lot of pastors. You walk into a church, you know that this pastor is double-minded. He's serving God and also Mormon. Back to TB Joshua and transparency and openness. You know, TB Joshua is not a member of any sort of uh, religious Christian group in Nigeria. In Nigeria, we have CAN, CNA, Christian Association of Nigeria. Every church is, every church is under that. And there's a PFN, Pentecostal Fellowship of Nigeria, for charismatic churches. TB Joshua is not a member of any. He applied to be a member. They told him, come, we're going to ask you questions about your faith and if you can answer them, then you're going to be a member. But he never showed up because he's not legit. T.B. Joshua is not a fake Who killer. gets he is to a determine who is a legitimate pastor, bishop, <laughs> whatever? Who gets yeah, to determine well, that? Sakina, I think I have already said, I don't think for me this is the forum to be discussing other churches for me in that sense. I don't, I, honestly, I think mm-hmm. I, I, I do debate these things I as a theologian, that. as a leader. And I think the responsible thing for me is, is not to go that way. Uh, however, I, I, like I said, I think the, 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 the whole broad strokes about this is about accountability, transparency, and all, whether it's in Nigeria, in Ghana, in South Africa, anywhere. Secondly, you know, it depends how each country is set up in terms of holding the churches accountable. In South Africa, I've explained, there are mm-hmm. certain things that government expects from us. And Why I are think so many churches comply. mushrooming in Africa, per se, as per Tabiso's question? Why in Africa? Look, I think if you read historically, 
if you go back in history, you'll find that there was a time in history where churches mushroomed in other parts of yeah. the world. We call it revival or a spiritual renewal. Now, as to whether is it God or not, that's for me to answer. What I'm trying to say is that if you read the whole of history, different continents at different times have experienced a move of God. And like anything, God moves but the people that God moves on are not perfect people. We, are, we have a lot of problems. So side by side with God moving, there's other stuff that creeps in that are wrong. I think when you read historically, the churches are mushrooming in South America, uh, in, in Africa, and in other parts of the world. And there's, there's a lot more, maybe if I was to minus the money thing. But there's a lot more hunger for God. People want to be more in church. They want to have impacted spiritually. Unfortunately, sometimes the good and the stuff kind of co- coexist side by side. And that's mm. very unfortunate. Okay. Hold on, Solomon. Yeah. I want to go to calls. I'm just going to read one tweet. Nkuli says, I'm Christian and love God. But as for bodyguards... Doesn't God protect you, Kanti? If faith you go, Kanti, the Bible in says God is your discussion. defense. Yeah. God is your defense. So why do the pastors need bodyguards? I think okay. It's, it's, All right. Uh, uh, don't even try well, and answer. Well, Let's go to the lines. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight is the number to dial. Uh, please, apologies. Apparently, some of our lines are not uh, functional, so we'll breeze through the calls. Uh, Bonagela, good morning. Good morning, SK. Uh, well, good morning, yes, and good morning to the pastors. Morning. You know, I'm afraid to say people need to talk. I mean, to 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 not to be denial this time around because this thing of praying and where you're gonna register or or you pay an upfront amount, a certain amount, say hundred rand, that is a consultation. That's business. Where mm. you're gonna buy key holders or photos of this pastor? What do you call that? That's not a business. Mm. Mm. A, a God-given, a God-given talent person, mm. you know, I'm referring to those pastors. Mm. I think it's supposed to heal or pray for people, and then you don't ask money, or you just accept anything that will give you to say thank you. Yeah. You understand my point? Okay, but, got but, you. But, yes, thank you. Thanks so much, Bonagele. Nontanta uh, and Santin, good morning. Hi, Saki, how are you? Well, and you? I'm okay. My comment is, is related to, I think, feeding back to one of the listeners who said, uh, do the pastors work elsewhere because they can't be living off congregants? I think it's, it's it's a big mistake for us to to want our pastors to also work elsewhere. It's like someone saying, well, I'm a banker. And then you say, well, do you get your income elsewhere? What they're doing is a ministry and it's a full-time duty that they then have towards their congregants. And I don't see why their congregants shouldn't then tithe and offer so that they're able to be taken care of. I don't see why my particular pastor should be poor, why we should have to donate shoes to pastors, why we should have to donate things to pastors, because they are just living in poverty. Uh, And the principles of God work, and I don't see why those principles should work just for us as congregants. It says if you sow a seed, you know, that seed is able to grow, it's able to germinate, it's able to bear fruit. If our pastors are faithful in what they do and, and they apply the principles of the Word of God, I don't see why they shouldn't move from one level to the next as they are being faithful to us as the finances of the kingdom of God. And I think it's important also that the work of the ministry be financed. You know, the bishop mentioned 
the importance of the work being financed. Yes, the church does need finances. You know, we need to build buildings. We need to maintain the buildings. We need to pay staff members. You know, just like any other organization that needs to operate and to function, it cannot function out of nothing. Electricity okay. bills need to be paid. Water bills need to be paid. So I think it, it's a fallacy mm-hmm. for us to think that churches function out of nothing because there are organizations that need to run as well. Okay, Nonsanza, thank you so much. I don't think anybody is saying that, but why are we competing to have a prettier much bigger, more opulent building than the next church. Unati in PE, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Sakina. Uh, first of all, I would like to say, uh, Bishop uh, Sono there, I think he's on point with, uh, with the way he's, he's, he's just articulating his, his thing. And I just want to say two things. One, when we talk about Amaveras, we must remember when Jesus was walking up the mountains, wherever he was going, when even he was going up to pray, he had people that he had taken from the 12 disciples that he had. Those are the people that you would call your armor bearers, not your bodyguards. People that are there for you when you need something, they assist you, not to say they are bodyguards. So if, if, if uh, you know, we, we, we cannot, as Pastor Sonor was just saying there, you cannot ask the reasons, you cannot question the reasons why a certain pastor would have bodyguards. We do not know up until we go and ask them, why do you have bodyguards? And then that is when we can begin to question that. Two, who are we to judge to say this is a real pastor, that is a fake pastor? Because the same way that we judge is the same way that we are going to be judged. We just need to ask God to be able to descend to us, to show us the signs, to say this is the right and this is wrong. We, we, do not have, we don't have the right to say a certain pastor is a fake and a certain pastor is, is real. It is only the spirit that will lead us to be able to say that. The biggest question, that the biggest uh, mistake that we do is to always compare pastors, is always to look at them and say this one, uh, because of the message that A is saying, because the other one is saying it nice, we are saying uh, certain pastors are fake. The last part, in the Bible it says, God said to Abraham, look as far, as far as you can see, you shall possess that. Then what is wrong with the pastors possessing what they can see? As far as they can see, then it was only dry land. Now you have buildings, now there's vehicles, now there's everything. Mm. But as long as all those things, you can be able to donate them back so to the church. Y- you are okay with a pastor having 10 million rand in his bank account and maybe two private jets. Is that what you're saying, Onati? Anyway, let's move on. Zikona in PE, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Hello, Zikona. Yeah, when I was growing up, the focus of the church was the second coming of Jesus Christ and the eternal life. These days, what we hear in churches is all about wealth, material prosperity, and uh, material abundance. There's less about the second coming of Christ. Mm. And as a result, the rate of crime is is going up Mm. every day. But there's so many churches around the world. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Zikona. Maruleng in uh, Maruleng. Good morning. Yes. Hello, how are you? Well, and you? I am concurring with the previous uh, caller. Look, as I was growing up myself, I knew a church to be a place of worship yeah. and wherein uh, people are driven into the God's way. But you see what's happening now with these Muslim churches? It's about wealth, prosperity, and uh, you know, some of these uh, pastors, 
line unfortunately wasn't great pastor yeah you know what i want to respond to this i think people are raising legitimate things here but let me just say a few things from uh, and i'm not defending i think i've already said it let's talk about the missionary houses for instance you mm. see what what many people don't know is this you see many people don't ever think about the family of the pastor now i'm speaking personally because that is the world in which i live P- people grow up living in a missionary house when he gets old right mm. he's 60 is 80 he can no longer be in the church. He never had a time to build his house yeah. because they were not giving him any money, right? So he's chucked out of a house. We've had several pastors that we as a church have supported over years who they were now pensioned. They didn't have money because the churches didn't have any pension scheme. I've had to deal and counsel with the children who are so bitter against the church and so bitter against God. You know what, Sakina? I think there's a theology around money that needs to be discussed here. And I don't think that other people are abusing the system. People should now be I- I- illogical in their thinking. Uh, you know, because of the pastors I've had to deal with, give them money, they don't have a salary, they don't have food at the end of the month, their children hate God, hate church. And I'm thinking, is this fair? Why is it that the church never thought about a, a pastor's retirement. Everybody has a retirement, annuity retirement fund. They think about what's going to happen to them when they retire. Why don't they think about that? In the Bible, there was provision made for that. They, they thought about how this person should be taken care of. I don't think we should go to another extreme. The other thing that I want to take you up on, Sakina, mm-hmm. you talked about buildings. Why must we have nice buildings and so on? I also want to say in the, the competition. Breath, well, okay, maybe I won't talk about competition, but I don't think... <laughs> Because it's a church, it must look like a shack. Nobody yes, says that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, I think, and I think, Sakina, there is a way in which we need to use the platform of the church, particularly from the background we come from, mm. to inspire people to do more. Of course, we cannot compete with the people who have a lot of money. But I think it should be decent enough. I think when we build a church for people... We should say we want to build a church that's nice, beautiful, that will inspire people and, and speak uh, into the, 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 the lives of people. And, and I think those are the things. I'll give an example. Solomon, you talked about people are talking about the, when they grew up, the churches used to do this and do this. Let me give an example. We just built an, an outdoor gym in Pinville next to our church mm-hmm. for the community. It's not for us. It's for the community. Do you know how much it cost us, Sakina? 750,000 rands. Where is that money going to come from? The congregation gave it, right? We gave it to the community and the community is using that gym. Now, if you want churches to not have money, then I think people don't understand. Now, I think it's about accountability. Okay. I think it's about transparency. I think it's about systems. I don't think people uh, someone, should just generalize. Someone is saying churches are going to be listed on the <laughs> stock exchange soon. Sakina, uh, for me, we have to also look at the church. Just in the, in the context of a building, we have to look at the church, the early church, the way it started, the organic church, the second century church after Jesus left in the book of Acts. The churches was not about structure. 
I'm not against structures, but the churches was about, was about meeting together. Mm. You know, they were meeting in homes. And I think we have to rethink that and go back to really the original plan of how churches should look like, not just the big building. I'm a big believer in home churches. I believe there you can really interact. You can have a dialogue. But in churches now, we have monologue. One person just speaking and the other people listening. That wasn't what Jesus did. You can stop him and ask questions. And the second thing is, if Jesus should come back today and go into some of our churches, he would not recognize it. He wouldn't know it's a church. Mm. Mm. He's like, is this a market? Is this a club? He would, he would ask like really tough questions because there's a lot of transaction going on. And the monies that we raise, we're not really supporting, you know, charities and doing stuff. One of your callers from Durban, Lauren, called. She talked about Give for the Givers going into Nigeria. Mm-hmm. You know, a Muslim uh, NGO. You know, that's great. We, we, we have to support each other. Yeah. But we are the Christians. Have we, have, do we have a body where we're yeah. sending resources and medical yeah. aid in there? How about the Nigerian church where a lot of the pastors are really wealthy? Are they really supporting it? We see them on TV quite a lot. And I have to say, one of the biggest misconceptions and the, and the sad thing about Christianity is Christian TV. I'm not a big fan of Christian TV. That's where they raise money and all that. There's a place for Christian TV. The first TV program that was put on, the first Christian program that was put on TV was in 1952 by a guy called Ara Roberts. But since then, we've used it to do fundraising and teleton mm. and a whole lot mm. of stuff. Mm. We have to understand the medium of Christian TV. And but, it's really but, sad. But, but, but in fairness to the church, though, they are not actually putting their hand literally into people's pockets and taking money out. Mm-hmm. But they're manipulating are, people. You manipulate people. You, 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 you bring your authority. When you go to some churches, I, I think some pastors should let the Holy Spirit lead people to give. But yeah. before you have a, a, an offering... You have a long sermon. That's not the main sermon. You have a long sermon and you're trying to control and, 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 and manipulate people. There's a place for that. I'm not against, I'm a giver. I, I've, I mean, you don't want to know my Christian history. But we have to do this right. Yeah. But we are not currently. I don't think Jesus okay. is going to be happy with us. Let's just breeze through the last few calls. Uh, the, uh, Zolisa and Randabosh, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Uh, I just wanted to just make one brief comment. I just think and believe that uh, I'm Christian, by the way. I think and believe that the 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 churches today, like the so-called mega churches, have identified the physical needs of people, which is health and wealth. And uh, we all know that anybody will pay any amount of money to get healthy and to get wealthy. So that is why uh, the bishop there is also trying to explain a way from from why people are um, manipulated into giving money to the church. Thank you so much. Sakina. Thank you so much, Zolisa. Pastor Musala, good morning. Hi, Sakina. Uh, Pastor Musala from Newcastle. Welcome. Just about two points. Firstly, I think one of the biggest problems we have is the loss of the supremacy of God's word. And that has resulted in, in people and pastors and other people, their words being equal or even rivaling the word of God. Mm. And I think that has caused a lot of problems. Secondly, mm. I think we have a problem of lack of not only financial accountability, but also doctrinal accountability, yeah. where people do not affiliate to networks where they will be held mm. accountable. Yeah. In the U.S., for instance, there is an evangelical alliance where all the evangelical churches, or most of them, would affiliate so that if there's a problem, you can deal with it. And I think in this country, we mm. we, we lack in that respect. Mm. Thank you so much, Pastor Masala. Menzi in Boysons, good morning. Very quickly. Menzi? False prophets and false prophets and 
They shall show great signs and wonders, in so much that if they be possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Luke chapter 6, verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye shall have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Thank you, Sakina. Bye-bye. Thank you, um, And then uh, this uh, tweet here, Connie says, uh, we don't give to pastors to make them rich. We give so that they can have a comfortable praise to praise and worship. And um, this one says, why don't they build, uh, build churches in villages? Because village people don't have money. Yeah. Uh, Pastor? Yes, let me conclude. I think Menzi and uh, Pastor Masala, really, it's all about uh, doctrinal accountability. I think our challenge here is the way we interpret the Bible and we make it uh, bend towards a, a certain mm. side. And I think about helping people. I mean, uh, they're asking questions, where's the church in Nigeria and so on. Well, I think there are initiatives that the churches are doing right now. Maybe they're just not known. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, in Marikana, for instance, you know, many of us churches were involved there, giving food there and so on. So I don't think mm. it's about Christian people not doing anything. We are out of time. Yeah, okay. Here's a quick question. Do you pay personal taxes? What someone wants to know. They yes. say they know the church. For pays. me, for me, our ch- mm-hmm. as a church, we are non-profit making. So we are not liable for tax as long as we submit financials to the receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, in our case, we audit our books. And by the way, tomorrow in your personal we have a, capacity, I'm registered as a taxpayer. I submit so my you receive to a SARS. salary from I the church. A salary. Okay. And then I pay tax. All right, Solomon? I think for me, in conclusion, I just want to say, in, in Hebrew 13.5, it says, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. But we've seen a lot of pastors starting very well, good intention, but they turn out to be so greedy. Some of them go into ministry because it's greed. Let's face it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of false prophets in church, and there is a lot that's going on that is not right. We, yes, we have people like Pastor Musa Sono. We have other people, quite a lot of them. But hey, we have to really look in-house and really say, look, the church is in a mess and we have to clean it up financially. Esther, Lumka, Pat, everybody else, thanks a million for all the messages that you have sent through uh, to our guests this morning, Pastor Musta Sono, as well as Solomon Ashoms. Thanks for your time as well. And uh, to the production team, of course, who made sure this all actually happened. And take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic weekend. See you back on Monday. It's 9 o'clock. Time for news with Vibakshini Chetty.